music and musicians at the Royal Chapel. Episode 2, The Sun King's Daily Mass. Messieurs, le roi. The king goes to his chapel every day to attend Mass. If we are to believe Saint-Simon, a courtier and memoirist who is also quite a gossip, Louis XIV missed Mass only once in his entire life because he was on a military campaign. Saint-Simon also states that the Sovereign's Day was scheduled down to the last minute and meant to be like clockwork, to the point that even someone who was 300 leagues away from him could precisely tell what he was doing if they had an almanac and a watch. The king's public day began at 7 o'clock. The head manservant would first approach the sovereign's bed in his role as human alarm clock. Sire, voilà l'heure. He then lets in the head doctor and the head surgeon, who have come to take their royal patient's vital signs, and the head valet de chambre, whose privilege it is to open the bed curtains. The officers of the chamber and the king's wardrobe then process in. After the king rinses his face with a little rubbing alcohol and says his first prayer of the day, his hair is brushed and his wig is set. He eats a light broth and is dressed according to a strict protocol. And of course, all these ceremonial acts take place in public. It is estimated that approximately 100 courtiers squeeze into the room in order to attend this quasi-sacred ritual of the king's rising. Ten o'clock. Time for Mass. The king's direct male descendants, the crown princes, and the French and Swiss guards precede the king. He is then followed by his direct female descendants and the crown princesses, and then the courtiers. The king leaves his quarters through the mirrored door, crosses the rich, similarly named, Hall of Mirrors, then goes through the state apartment before arriving at the chapel. It's at this moment that all those who are crowded along the procession's path can finally see the monarch. Some might even be able to speak to him briefly or slip him a small note with a request before he enters the chapel. Everyone hurries into the sanctuary and finds a spot as best they can in order to give thanks to God, but also to be seen by the king himself if possible. The king takes his place on the platform. The music chapel master, seated to the king's left, hands him the songbook for the day's motets. The morning mass will last at least 30 minutes and constitutes not only the first true musical moment of the king's day, but one of the highlights of his day. Missing this key moment when the king expresses his royal devotion is inconceivable, practically treasonous. Although the king himself might hum during his favorite motets, he demands that the assembly remain absolutely silent. No noise and no murmuring are allowed, a policy that is not to everyone's liking. His sister-in-law, Madame the colorful Princess Palatine, remarked in her legendary insolent fashion on the king's scrupulous stance and the uncomfortable conditions in the chapel in wintertime. 
yesterday at the Grand Mass, I thought that my feet would freeze. I had quite a comical exchange with Hawking, who sharply scolded me because I had put on a scarf. Never has anyone processed in a scarf, said he. That may be, I answered, but never has been so cold as it is now. It is indeed a great honor to be at the king's side during the sermon. And yet, I would voluntarily cede my place, for his majesty cannot abide that I sleep. As soon as I fall asleep, the king elbows me and wakes me up. Louis XIV's attitude during Mass seems to have been very strict. Certain courtiers whisper and joke with each other. The kings must sometimes reprimand these undisciplined courtiers. The chapel musicians, famous throughout Europe, perform every day, playing a piece that the music master has composed and conducts. Louis XIV favors his musicians, and in the chapel, they take their places in rows on either side of the organ on an up-level platform that is right across from the king. They form an arc around the organist, who is the only one whose back is turned to the monarch. Even the music master, surrounded by the choir boys, is turned facing the king, even as he conducts. So, Louis XIV only takes in the music itself from his tribune. Music that floods the nave and acts as a musical mirror to the religious devotion of that very Christian one. It's important to remember what a low mass actually looks like at the time. The musicians are playing on the chapel's upper level while the officiant pronounces mass according to the Roman rite, speaking in a low voice on the ground floor. Louis XIV is, of course, very pious, but that doesn't mean that his sovereignty is going to cede ground to the church. After all, isn't he king by divine right? The Versailles Chapel setup is therefore different from that of all other churches in the kingdom. There are two parallel liturgies, one for God and one for the king. Those attending can take in both liturgies at the same time, since the music is performed from the upper level above the altar. During the king's ordinary time mass, the children, adult singers, and instrumentalists sing two kinds of motets, grand motets, which last about 20 minutes and include soloists, choir, and instruments, and petit motets, which have smaller dimensions, fewer performers, and are meant to create a more intimate and heightened moment. They are followed by the Domine Salvum Fac Regem, the final prayer for the king. Flawless system of organization is needed in order to create and play quality music every morning. The Royal Chapel is a veritable musical beehive. After all, they must produce music for almost 280 royal masses a year, 
not counting the solemnities. Each music master is therefore responsible for more than 80 masses during his term, which is huge. People often marvel about Bach, who, 40 years later, must compose a cantata per week in his position at Leipzig, Germany. But at Versailles, they have to crank out two to three motets a day. Naturally, in order to maintain this rhythm, they do reuse previously composed motets. However, the music masters are required to create new works in order to add to and invigorate this repertoire. There's no resting on their laurels. The king, of course, has his preferences and might ask for his favorite motets to be played again, but the chapel's repertoire must still continue to evolve, both as an example and to demonstrate how excellent the king's music is. As for the instrumentalists and the singers, they too must be absolutely up to par. It isn't uncommon for them to sight-read a recently composed motet for the first time during the Mass itself. They are used to first learning of its existence when they see it on their music stand that very morning. The king himself checks that his troop is indeed present, particularly if he has noticed any tardiness or chronic absenteeism, especially among the singers. In 1692, the king tightens his grip in order to better take the musician's attendance at mass and punish unexcused absences by putting in place a pike system in the music of the royal chapel. The picador is tasked with making a daily list of absent members, which he gives to the king once a month. The musicians also have to sign in with the picador every morning, and unexcused absences are taken from their wages. In other words, their pay is docked. plans for his daily masses to be all luxury and grandeur. Therefore, in 1683, he decides to recruit new music masters among the best musicians of the kingdom. To learn about how this important musical event unfolded, tune into the next episode. Find out more about the Royal Chapel and the key figures in this episode on xpodcast.cmbv.fr. Discover our archives, videos, interviews, and much more. A Centre de Musique Baroque de Versailles podcast in collaboration with the Palace of Versailles.
narrated by Zachary Wilder, written by Suzanne Gervais, scientific expert Thomas Lecomte, and the production team Olivier Guérin, Pierre Monteil, and Philippe Mercher.